1 Timothy chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 6. Let's read together. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Now I ask that you open our hearts that we may hear and receive your word with gladness. Help us to hear not so much what the preacher is going to say as we are able to hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. Especially I pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. I pray that you will draw them back to you, Lord. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray all of these things in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The story is told of a man who was having some serious medical problems. The symptoms had been going on for some time and had become pretty uncomfortable, so he finally broke down and went to the doctor. After examining him, the doctor told him, I'm sure I've located the source of the problem and I know just what to do to take care of it. The young man replied, well, I, heard, I certainly hope so, doctor. I, I should have come to you long ago. The doctor asked, where did you go before? The young man said, well, I went to the pharmacist. The doctor snidely remarked, what kind of foolish advice did he give you? The young man answered, he told me to come see you. <laughs> Over the last several weeks, I've been talking to you about some of the markers we use to evaluate the quality of our lives. Too often I've discovered we're going to the wrong sources to try and find those things that give meaning to life. We've bought into the philosophy of this world system without recognizing that the system of the world at its very best is horribly flawed. The reason the world system will never provide the quality of life we so desire is because in the world system, God has been left completely out of the equation. As a result, not only does our life on this planet wind up in a dead end, but when you buy into the world system, it also means that any hope of an eternal future is wiped out as well. In this series, I've been emphasizing the truth that your belief determines your behavior. The key to behavior modification is belief modification. One of the greatest reasons people's lives get so messed up is because they're living according to a faulty belief system. They've looked for answers in all the wrong places. Before there can be any real help for the condition you're in, there must first be a change in the way you believe, and there must be a different place where you look for answers. Today, I want to talk to you in the last message in this series, I want to talk to you about happiness. This is one of those universal desires. Everybody wants to be happy. Now, each of you may have a different desire or a different idea of what happiness looks like, but all of us want to be happy. Is that true? 
Remember, the more you respond, the quicker we get out of here. Because when I don't hear anything, I think I'm not getting through to you and I have to keep explaining it over and over. I don't know, I don't know anybody that is happy being unhappy. And it's rather interesting to me the various things people pursue in their quest for happiness. It's also interesting to me how our ideas of what will make us happy change as we grow older or as we reach our goal or as our surroundings and our circumstances change. At its core, the foundation of happiness is based on circumstances. That is, it's based on what happens to us. If what happens is good and pleasant, what we desire, then we are happy. If what happens is bad and unpleasant, undesirable, then we are unhappy. Some of you may be familiar with a 1967 musical fashioned after the popular Peanuts comic strip by Charles Schultz. Anybody remember Peanuts, you know, Charlie Brown? The musical is titled, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And toward the end of that show, the cast sings a song describing happiness from a child's point of view. The opening lyrics of the song says, happiness is two kinds of ice cream. Finding your skate key. Now that tells you how old that particular thing is. Does anybody even know what a skate key is anymore? You know? Finding your skate key, telling the time. Happiness, the song says, is learning to whistle. Tying your shoe for the very first time. Happiness is playing the drum in your own school band. And happiness is walking hand in hand. Now, children may start there in defining happiness, but it's amazing how things change over time. As you grow older, it takes other things to produce feelings of happiness. Uh, you know, if only I could get a date with that girl, then I would be happy. If only I could get a car, then I would be happy. If only I could get a job, then I would be happy. If only I could get the promotion, then I would be happy. If only I could buy a house, then I would be happy. If only I could have a child, then I would be happy. If only I could get our children through school, then I would be happy. If only the children would get out on their own, <laughs> then I would be happy. <laughs> According to the world system, the secret to happiness is getting what you want. There is a great deal of money made by people who are experts at creating a desire so you will be convinced that their product is necessary to your sense of well-being and happiness. Once you're convinced that you absolutely need this product, then you will go out and purchase it, even if you don't have the resources to pay for it. I mean, after all, you can charge it and pay for it in what they call easy monthly installments. What they neglect to tell you is that by the time you finish paying for it, with the interest charged on your account, you will have paid at least double its original value. But that doesn't really matter because, after all, you really needed it in order to be happy. 
Now that you have it, you're finally happy. Or are you? You might be for a while, at least until the new improved model comes along with more bells and whistles. And when that happens, then the advertisers and marketers kick back into high gear. They convince you that your life is somehow missing something very important to your well-being and happiness because you don't have the new and improved version. When you buy into that line of reasoning, you are once again unhappy until you get the latest, greatest widget to add to your collection. Isn't that the way it works? The advertisers tell us that if we'll just use this particular cologne, we will have irresistible sex appeal, and then we will be happy. <laughs> if we drive this particular vehicle, we will be considered successful, and then we will be happy. If we use this particular brand of toothpaste, we will have a dazzling smile, and then we will be happy. If we drink this brand of beer, we will be surrounded by fun-loving, upwardly mobile, young, beautiful people who don't have a care in the world, and then we will be happy. The entire world system for happiness is based upon this one premise. If you get what you want, then you'll be happy. Be it wealth or fame or power, be it a harmonious family, be it the absence of pain and suffering, be it good health, be it the achievement of personal goals, whatever it is, if you get what you want, then you'll be happy. Problem is, there are those who have indeed managed to get everything they wanted. But then they turn around one day, surveyed all they had, and concluded with the preacher of the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. If you're looking for happiness today, if you're serious about finding real, meaningful, lasting happiness, I have a key for you. Now, if you haven't heard anything I've said up to this point, I want you to sit up and pay attention. Why don't you just nudge your neighbor and make sure they haven't fallen asleep in the last couple of minutes, all right? Because I'm going to give you the key to happiness, the key to real happiness right now. Everybody wants the key to happiness. And you showed up on a Sunday morning at Restoration Church just in time to get what everybody in the whole world wants to have. Here it is. You ready? The secret to real happiness is not getting what you want, but wanting what you have. As long as you're focused on what you don't have, you'll be miserable. But when you begin to appreciate what you already have, then you'll be happy all your life. This is the message the Apostle Paul is trying to impress upon the mind of young Timothy in the text we read at the beginning of the message. Real happiness isn't the acquisition of the latest fashions, fads, and fancy doodads. Real happiness isn't dependent upon the absence of problems and adversity. Real happiness isn't dependent upon your position in the company or the size of your bank account or even the condition of your health. Real happiness is an attitude. It's an attitude of the heart and the mind. 
Real happiness is found in an awareness of of all God has done for you and then having a thankful spirit filled with gratitude for the blessings of God that are present in your life. Real happiness isn't found in getting what you want, but in wanting what you have. That's what it's talking about in Proverbs 15, 16, when the wisdom writer says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. That's what it means in our text from 1 Timothy chapter 6, when Paul writes to Timothy and tells him, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by, and here's the word, contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering, with these we shall be, and here's the word again, content. That's what it means in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, when it says, let your character be free from the love of money, being, here it is, content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Happiness isn't getting what you want, but wanting what you have. You know, it's almost as if God knew what was best for our lives. When he instructed us in the Ten Commandments, you shall not covet. Have you ever spent much time watching small children playing together? Children are fascinating to watch especially when they're first trying to learn how to get along with one another in a social setting. You know, up until now, they'd been the center of mom and dad's world. Their every whim was indulged. Every whimper was greeted with attention. Every desire was met. But then all of a sudden, they are thrust into a setting where there are lots of other little people, just their size. It's a little noisy. It's a little intimidating, all these new faces, all these new sounds, all these new people just the same size as they are. Oh, but there are toys, (laughs) lots of toys, new toys, brightly colored toys, toys that make wonderful noises everywhere you turn, toys. And here is little Jeffrey. Right in the middle of these toys, he selects one that catches his eye. He's very happy playing with that toy. He's so content and happy and and nothing could be better. He's happy until he notices Susie right next to him having fun and being very happy with her toy. Suddenly, little Jeffrey begins to feel his happiness is being reduced because he doesn't have what Susie has. If he's to continue to have a sense of well-being and happiness, then it is imperative that he not just have his toy, but he must have Susie's toy as well. The next thing you know, Jeffrey has reached out and grabbed Susie's toy from her. Now, sometimes Susie is a fighter and doesn't want to give up her toy, in which case we have a mess. Other times, Susie gives it up without too much hassle, and Jeffrey is content, at least until Susie gets another toy and seems content and happy playing with her new toy, and now Jeffrey is no longer happy. He must have yet a third toy, the toy that Susie is enjoying. 
This is a pattern that repeats itself over and over and over again. It will repeat itself until somebody steps in and insists that Jeffrey play with his own toys and like it. It will repeat itself until someone helps Jeffrey realize that his toy is enjoyable and he can be happy playing with his own toy and leaving Susie alone to play with hers. Now, we can sit here today and chuckle at the antics of Jeffrey. The problem is that we have a lot of adult Jeffreys running around who have never really grown up. They've never learned the lessons of preschool. They've gotten physically bigger, but they aren't mature. They're still little kids. They still haven't learned to be content. They go from one hobby to the next. Everything has to be state of the art. If the equipment of the guy next to them is shinier, they, may, they must have one just as shiny. If their friend's child has something, then their child must have the same thing or better. Whatever they see bringing delight and happiness to someone else, that's just what they need to make them happy. They've never grown up. They've never matured. They've never learned the secret to real happiness is in just wanting what you have. You know, I just realized there may not be anybody returned next week after I get through with this message today. I didn't know if he was going to show back up after last week's, but uh, every day I'm walking that fine line, you know, every Sunday. Somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit wants to shake us up and wake us up to what's really going on. He wants us to take a long, hard look at how we've been suckered into falling in with the world's system. He wants to grow us up so we are no longer like children who are tossed to and fro and blown about from one thing to the next, but we are solid and firm and grounded and mature, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we have learned the secret of being content. Wanting what we do not have is as old as the problem of Eve in the Garden of Eden. She had all the garden to enjoy, save for the fruit of one tree, but she couldn't be happy with what she had. She had to get the one thing she did not have. When she got what she did not have, what she thought would make her happy, then she lost everything she did have. The end was heartache and tragic loss. I'd like to see the hands of those who are followers of Jesus. Put them up good and high. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus, come on. Thank you. All right, thank you. If you are, listen, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, if he is your Savior, if he is Lord of your life, if you have the assurance that we were singing about here earlier in worship, the assurance of your sins forgiven, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. If you have that, then I want to tell you, you have the makings of all the happiness you could ever stand because the real source of happiness isn't possessions or position or power. The real source of happiness is a person, and his name is Jesus. It is Jesus who can bring fullness of joy to your heart. He is the one who can free you from the bondage of every problem that would seek to steal your joy. He is the one who can heal your wounded heart and bring everlasting joy. I'm telling you, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need to make you happy forever. 
You are loved by a heavenly father who has promised to never leave you, never forsake you. He, you have a relationship with the almighty creator of the universe who has promised to supply all your need. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You are an heir of righteousness. You have escaped the fires of hell and are promised the splendors of heaven. The curse of sin and the chains of its bondage are broken from your life. You have freedom. You have deliverance. You have victory. You have abundant life in the present and eternal life in the hereafter. That ought to make somebody happy today. And you ought to be praising the Lord for what you have in him. Listen, if you don't have Jesus... There is no way you can be truly happy. It isn't possible to be really content without him because there is a place in your soul that is built just for him. It's just his size and nothing else you try to put there will satisfy. What I don't understand is how someone who has Jesus can be anything but happy. Because when you have Jesus, you really have everything. The key to happiness is contentment, wanting what you have. And the thing that turns the key is the relationship with Jesus. It's right here in the text. Godliness and contentment are linked. Now, I was never very good in math in school, but there are a few things that I was able to figure out. So this is actually like a math equation. Godliness, which is a relationship with Jesus, plus contentment, wanting what you have, equals happiness. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul about this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He said, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's a man who has learned the secret of happiness. Godliness plus contentment equals great happiness. The relationship with his Lord is secure. Even though he's in prison when he would rather be out somewhere preaching and establishing new churches, he isn't bitter. He isn't resentful. He has learned to want what he has. He's content and he's happy. Now, no wonder the Bible speaks so much about being thankful. Thankfulness leads directly to happiness because happiness isn't found in getting what you want, but in wanting what you have. I tell you what, this whole idea of contentment really comes down to a matter of trust. Somebody disappoints us. Anybody ever been disappointed? Somebody betrays us. We don't get what we want. Somebody else gets what we were pursuing. The next thing you know, we're pulling the covers over our head, refusing to get out of bed, singing sad songs in the minor key. We're depressed and we don't care who knows it. In fact, we want everybody to know it, to feel sorry for us, to join our pity party, 
So we post our lament and our complaint on social media so everybody will see it and share our misery and like and comment, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and, and somehow that makes us feel better that they've joined in with our pity party. I may not get to come back next week. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to know if you ever stop in the middle of all that and think that just maybe you ought to be thankful. Thankful God has saved you from something that would end in disaster. Thankful God has kept you from making a terrible mistake that would create more heartache than you could ever recover from. Thankful God has spared you from a tragedy you couldn't see coming down the road. Thankful God has orchestrated the circumstances of your life and used them to redirect your path in such a way you would never have thought to go so that he will be glorified and he will use every one of those things you thought were so negative to finally bring you into the destiny he has prepared for you. <laughs> happiness, real happiness doesn't happen without contentment. Contentment comes as a result of godliness. Godliness comes through a relationship with Jesus where you surrender your life to him and you put your trust in him no matter what the circumstances of life throw your way. Here's the equation again. Godliness plus contentment equals happiness. If you're looking for real happiness, it begins with the surrender of your life to Jesus. It happens when you're truly thankful with an attitude of trust for what you have. Instead of always looking around, longing for and striving to get what you don't have. It comes when you start wanting what you have instead of always trying to get what you want. That's the path to real happiness that will last, and it will last forever. Would you bow with me for a moment, please? I couldn't preach a message like this without giving you an invitation to begin the journey by surrendering your life to Jesus. If you've been going your own way instead of God's way, if you've been trusting in your own abilities instead of trusting in the grace of God, if you've been thinking only of the present and ignoring eternity, this is the time and this is the place to change course. The way to do that is to come just like you are and ask God for Christ's sake to forgive your sins to make you part of his forever family. You make your decision to stop going away from God and start moving toward him. You put your trust in the completed work of Jesus on the cross as full payment for your sin. You ask for and receive the forgiveness he freely offers. And you determine that from this day forward, you're going to put Jesus first in your life. You surrender the control of your life to him. If you're ready to do that, I want to pray with you. While our heads are bowed for just a moment, if you're at a point that you say, Pastor John, I need to surrender my life to Jesus, and I want to do it today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. But I would like to see your hand so that I'll know who I'm praying for today. If that's you and you say, I'm ready to would you just put your hand up and put it right back down just so I can see you? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. 
Yes, anybody else? Today is the day to respond to Jesus. You do not have the promise of tomorrow. You don't have the promise of the rest of the day. Won't you give your heart to Jesus today? Won't you let him bring not just happiness, but real joy to your life? Anyone else? Oh, Lord, I'm praying for those people today, especially who lifted their hands. And I'm praying for somebody online that is watching as well, that they're surrendering their heart to you. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for going our way. Forgive us for leaving you out of the equation of our life. Come into our heart today. Transform us from the inside out. Give us that assurance we were singing about earlier, that assurance of sins forgiven. Lord, it's not a feeling. It's not a sign. It's a decision. And we're making that choice now that we're going to serve you. We're going to put you first in our lives. So I'm asking that you will give us the help and the grace to do that. We can't save ourselves, Lord. It is only by trusting you alone. And so today we put our full trust in you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've offered to us that we can now experience. Thank you for cleansing our life giving us a brand new start with you. Help us now to walk this out day by day by day until we walk finally into your eternal presence.